I think by now, most of you know I'm a dad of two girls. And like many parents I know, we all signed up our daughters for ballet class when they're three or four, five years old. And they're super darling, wearing their leotards and ballet shoes and a pink tutu. And it's always fun seeing them bouncing around on stage, some of them following the choreography and some of them just doing their own thing. For some of the girls, like mine, they end up quitting when they're six or seven years old. Some of them, very few probably actually, go on to be quite serious, doing six, seven, eight, twelve hours a week of ballet. And they have dreams of getting on stage and dancing for a ballet company. Today we're going to talk to someone who, who did that. She went from just Saturday afternoon classes with her sister to a little bit more serious and competitive high school ballet to trying out for elite companies all around this country. Today, we're going to talk to someone who has danced with the San Francisco Ballet for over two decades, and she's going to talk a little bit about how she got there and what it's like to be there. And so today, we're excited to talk to principal dancer, Francis Chung. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have another fantastic, well all of our episodes are fantastic, but today I think we have a extra fantastic episode. A lot of times we have friends that I know who happen to have interesting lives, and then sometimes we have people that I don't know who have extraordinary lives, but today we have the best of both worlds. We have someone that I actually know who has a really extraordinary life. So we're going to talk to Francis today, who dances with the San Francisco Ballet. And coming along is someone, we were supposed to have my student Madison join us, but AP BioTest is tomorrow, so she's cramming for that. And hopefully she's calm and, and getting everything ready. But we had to bring in a, another co-host, and this is someone you know. It is... Miss San Francisco herself, Catherine Liang. Welcome back, Catherine. <laughs> do, 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 do. So happy to be back. <laughs> oh man, you're you're so po- like when I edit people, a lot of times I I have to take out their ums or you know when they don't speak clearly. But Catherine is so polished and ready for the stage at all times, so it's so easy to edit Catherine. I love having her on the show. Save all the editing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know myself. I need all the editing. But yeah, thanks for helping out, Catherine. Thanks for having me and just leaving no room for error, are we? <laughs> uh, no, don't worry. This, that's the standard and you got to meet it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. But uh, yeah, the other reason you're on is because you were a ballet dancer. Or Do you still dance? I used to dance. Not anymore, though, sadly. So were you one of the, the, the kids in the three-year-old class dancing? Oh, gosh. Yes, I still remember my first ever pair of ballet flats. They had bunnies on the inside. Uh-huh. Uh, could not let go of them, even if I bore holes into them. But <laughs> I think I danced around 12 years. Oh, yeah. okay. That's a good long yeah. time. <laughs> and and now you are a San Francisco ballet fan. Of course, of course. Big <laughs> fan of Francis as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So this is an exciting show for you to be on. 
Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got to keep it together. You got to stay calm a little bit. Okay. I'll try. I'll keep the screaming to a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Francis. When I had uh, when I asked Catherine to come on, she was pretty excited to come on. So, <laughs> so we're both excited to have you here, and that's our special guest. She um, now she first came to the city. Now I'm allowed to say this, right? Mm-hmm. Was it 21 years ago? 21 years. Oh man, and you were literally, it's a long time, yeah, you were literally a kid, I think, were you just out of high school at that point? Just, yeah, I graduated from high school, and I flew here a few days after my exams. Oh man, okay, we'll get more into your your, uh, story in a minute, but yeah, it's been a couple decades, Francis, I can't believe that. And so Francis Chung is a principal dancer with the San Francisco Ballet and has been for the last 20 years. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Francis. Good to see you again. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm our pleasure. We're super excited. And I believe you just, just closed out another season. Yes, we finished the day before Mother's Day. Or actually, that's not true. Our very last day of the season was Mother's Day, but I finished a day before. Uh, so is it just your body gets to relax a little and your mind a little? Yes, I have a, a, a few summer plan, dancing plans, but nothing as physically strenuous as being in the season here in San Francisco. But have a little break. Yeah, good. And so let's get into your history a little bit. With Francis, there are too many um, accolades to talk about them all. But let's start when you were a kid. Let's go back to British Columbia. Is that where we're, is that where the story starts? You were born in Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, you started dancing with the Go Ballet Academy in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Were you one of those three-year-olds in a tutu and flats with bunnies on the inside? <laughs> uh, pretty much. I started dancing when I was five years old. I <laughs> I say this often, but my parents, I guess, were typical Asian parents. <laughs> <laughs> they put their two daughters in ballet classes and piano classes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think kind of just to keep us out of trouble, you know, when we had free time. Yeah, I mean, well, all of us do that, right? So I put my kids in ballet class, but were you different? Like when I looked at the three-year-olds and the four-year-olds and the five-year-olds dancing, I mean... They're all okay, right? But were, did you stand out at all when you were a kid, or were you just like one of the one of the kids? I don't think I was any different than any other three year old in <laughs> class. But I remember clearly that my favorite thing about going to dance class was not what was happening inside the studio, but outside of the studio uh. when I would get to eat snacks and play cards. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that was the real motivation, is that exactly. in between. <laughs> exactly. Snacks do provide a really great incentive. <laughs> exactly. So at what point did you did you kind of make a decision, uh, you know, when you're dancing, you're doing what, like Saturday classes or something like that? And then at what point did you get into the performance track or maybe the one that's a little more serious? I believe... I was maybe 12 was um, the first time I got a trophy at a local competition. (laughs) Uh uh (laughs) So, yeah, I remember winning a trophy for the first time and being like, oh, I I must be good at this. 
And then I kind of went onto the serious track when I started high school. I don't know if you know McGee Secondary. They, oh, obviously not. It's a Canadian school. <laughs> All of a sudden, I just was brought back to. I, it's, maybe it's because I've known you for so long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, surely you know, knew me when I was in high school, too. But no, that was even longer ago. I was ago. nodding like I did. I wanted you to feel like I did, but I have no idea what you're talking about. But it's, a, it's a public school in Vancouver that um, has a special program, it's a sport art program. Uh, kind of half day program. So I went to school um, until noon every day. And then my ballet buddies and I would take the bus to uh, our ballet school. And then we would have like multiple ballet classes and then rehearsals for um, upcoming performances or competitions or what have you. But that was kind of when I I guess things kind of became a little bit more serious. Yeah. So it's getting to be like three hours a day at that point or? Three hours a day, six days a week, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of commitment, I think. And I've heard stories of how parents kind of push, but it sounds like you, you just kind of enjoyed it and did it and it wasn't, it didn't feel like, you know, like extreme sacrifice or anything at, at your age, at no. that age. Yeah. If anything, actually, I, I always feel amazed that my parents were very supportive of me pursuing ballet as a career because yeah. it's a young career. Most professional ballet dancers don't go to college. Um, and I think there's a this conception that Asian parents are not going to support <laughs> kids in the arts or yeah. Yeah. You know, not going to become a doctor and lawyer. Or lawyer <laughs> then. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, my parents didn't know anything about ballet either. The, the whole world of ballet was new to them oh, wow. and new to me. So we were kind of learning as we, we went along. Yeah. So when did San Francisco come calling? Did they scout you or did you have to audition? Generally, you audition for companies. So my last year, I probably went on some tours with my school. My school was also really great about um, getting us as many in as many performances as possible. And we would tour with my school to China. We, uh, we toured to Japan. Um, so they offered incredible opportunities. And then as I was about to graduate high school, I um, sent out audition videos. One company being San Francisco Ballet. I think I actually also came here. Yes, a ballet uh, mistress, they're called ballet mistresses or ballet masters, which basically means coach, uh-huh. um, had, who was a coach in San Francisco Ballet at the time. She came to my school in Vancouver and set a ballet, a Balanchine ballet called Serenade. Oh. If you haven't seen it, you should. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a classic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The music is beautiful. My son loves the music, actually. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, so she came to my school and set Serenade and she kind of like picked me out and was like, oh, you should come and audition for San Francisco Ballet. So I went into class, came here and took class with San Francisco Ballet. And then I also sent probably 10 VHS right, tapes right. at the time <laughs> <laughs> to different companies in America and in Canada. Yeah. Um, and then... 
I got an offer to Boston Ballet again. Um, and just as I was about to sign that contract, uh, San Francisco Ballet called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this is just like full. This, <laughs> I'm just like being totally honest here. I had no, I really just didn't know anything about anything in the ballet world. <laughs> um, and the only reason I chose San Francisco Ballet was because the pay was a little bit higher. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's a little closer to home. <laughs> it's a little closer to home. Yeah. Which is like probably it's a slightly embarrassing to say, because, you know, I feel like these days anyway, I see like look at the dancers and ev- they seem to know everything about the ballet world mm-hmm. and what they should be doing and what they should be eating. And <laughs> Well, you know, when we're, the period we're talking about, the Internet was like a baby, you know, just a baby little thing. And, <laughs> you know, like there wasn't YouTube. There wasn't, you know, a million places you can get this information. You had to know someone. Right. This is true. I, yeah, that is very true. And I. Yeah, yeah, that's true. YouTube is incredible. You can look up any ballet uh-huh. on YouTube now and watch it. And all I had back then was a VHS tape of American Ballet Theater. Right. Right. Um, uh, yeah, this one one performance that they had on VHS, <laughs> and I would watch that over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> so then, that's when we met. You came down to San Francisco, and we we bumped into each other. And so you became part of the Corps de Ballet. 2001 um so you're dancing in in a big group is it your dream job is it like everything that you had hoped it was or was it a lot different than you thought it would be well i'm not sure i like i said i really didn't know anything about the ballet world i was just kind of like (laughs) between my parents and i it was like blind leading the blind we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into Like I said, all the kids these days, they know what's healthy. They know what to do with their bodies. I was eating. (laughs) I was eating honey bunches of oats, maybe two to three meals a day. Best food (laughs) ever. All the vitamins, like (laughs) minerals. What more do you need? (laughs) It tastes delicious. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, no, it was hard. I remember crying and probably like the first few months were the hardest. I was a shy, pretty shy kid. You know, I didn't have my close core friends anymore. So I joined this new company and, and like, it's nothing like I knew. I obviously we all have ballet in common and I love the art. And when I first came here, I think it was quite hard. I honestly, I don't remember too much about it. I think I have this thing where, I mean, I think all, all of us uh-huh. <laughs> have this thing where you just don't remember the bad stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all you remember is the good times. Um, but no, I think the first, I'd say like the first few months were the hardest, but you, I'd say up until like, I didn't feel completely, you know, at home until maybe my third year in the mm. company mm. in San Francisco. Joining at such a young age, what was it like? Um, can you describe like a typical day in your life in the Corps de Ballet? Mm. Day in a life in the Corps First of all, that was a long time ago. 
<laughs> well, so let's see. I back then I lived in Daly City, uh-huh. so I would commute on the BART in the morning. And back then, my body didn't hurt like it does now. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so I would get to work at the latest possible time and be totally fine. You know, dancing without warming up, and you know, living living my best life physically. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> A typical day really is if we don't, if we're not in performance season, we start class at ten. We have class every morning from ten to eleven fifteen. It's optional, but um, it's really. A necessity if you want to have a good day, but also a long-lasting career to take class every day. Mm-hmm. And then we would go into hours of uh, rehearsal. Some days, if you're not in the ballets that are not being rehearsed, then you have no rehearsals at all. And then some days, um, if you're in all the ballets, uh, then you work six hours a day. Uh, that's a typical rehearsal day. And then if we're in performance, then we work from two to five hours. We rehearse two to five hours a day. And then you have a few hours before the show to, you know, eat, rest, warm up again. And then you have the show um, that starts either at 7.30 or 8 o'clock until 10.30 or so, mm-hmm. 10, 10.30. Oh, my goodness. That's a 12 hour work day. Just <laughs> on and off. Yeah. They, the ballet doesn't count uh, the day, the hours you're not, you know, in the studio or on stage, but yeah, you're at work all day. And, and when we're in performance season, we're there six days a week. We have Mondays off two shows a day on Saturdays, but yeah, back when I was in the, the core, I would do that. And then, you be done with the show at 10, 10 30, take the BART home. And uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> um, Something I've always loved watching, whether it's Swan Lake or Giselle is the court of ballet. And I've always just admired their ability to not just, you know, stand in these beautiful, elegant positions, but also do the really hard dances. So mm-hmm. did you find it more challenging to be a part of the core or as a soloist? Mm, that's a great question. So actually, when I do remember this, when I first joined the company, it was difficult. I had to learn a lot. You know, there are a lot of things I'll still remember. If you're standing in a line and it has to be in a diagonal, your chest has to be at the person in front of you's shoulder, different things like that. Or like, you know, when you're dancing in the core, not only do you have to look great on your own as an individual and do the steps properly, but then you're also minding the spacing so that, you know, especially in something like Swan Lake, you're dancing and the formation is changing. And so, you know, the person in the back might have to move six feet and then the person in the front only moves two feet, but you're doing the exact same steps. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that you probably don't realize also is that when you're standing after you're, you've danced in something, I think Swan Lake might be one of the hardest uh, quarter ballet uh, full lengths, mm-hmm. but they do a lot of standing on stage mm-hmm. while the principals are dancing after they've danced a lot. So if you're young, like I, I was in the core when I first joined the company and we did Swan Lake, we took it on tour 
several times and then we performed it here in San Francisco a lot. When you're 17, it's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, some dancers have been in the core five, 10 years. When you're a little bit older, obviously your body changes and things take more care and, and, and yeah, standing and dancing into standing is, is, is nobody's business it is difficult. Your oh. feet cramp. I mean, it hurts no matter what age you're at really, but yeah. And, and really to hold yourself in one position, your upper body and your lower body, and generally you're standing on one foot and in a point shoe <laughs> <laughs> for that matter. Anyway, all that to say is that the Corte of Ballet, there's, we wouldn't have amazing full lengths without the Corte of Ballet. So they deserve all the credit. Ah. Yeah, it seems like the name is perfect because it really is the body and the soul of the ballet. That is true. And I think a lot of people don't quite fully appreciate, like you had mentioned, how much effort it takes to stand beautifully in one position for nearly three minutes and then proceed to move on as if nothing ever happened, but it really just frames the entire story. So, so I'm, I'm going to clap a little harder for the core next time I go to the ballet. <laughs> so Francis, you were promoted to a soloist in 2005 and then a principal dancer in 2009. One thing that I'm always kind of curious about is is there, there's kind of a hierarchy, right? There's the principals, dancers, and then there's soloists, and then there's core. Um, is it a strange mix? Like you said, you're, you're friends with all these people. Is it a strange mix of camaraderie and competitiveness as you're kind of in this together, but at the same time, some get promoted and some don't? So how do, how do you manage that relationship? Uh, I think it's changed over the years. In general, there's a good sense of healthy competition within the dancers. And, but also at the same time, uh, I, I don't know, like that competition is inspiring. You know, you watch another dancer and you want to be as good as them. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, when I was in the core, obviously I looked up to all the soloists and principals. I, like I said, when I first uh, didn't know anything about the world, I was like, oh, yeah, I'd be so happy just being in the core. And then <laughs> yeah. obviously I was in the core for a few years and I was like, no, no, I'm ready to start <laughs> yeah. doing <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more featured roles or what have you. But yeah, it's it's competitive. You're constantly just trying to be better. If anything, you know, you're competing with yourself from a year ago or two years ago or 10 years ago. And yeah. just for example, this time around was uh, this last uh, few performances of Swan Lake. It was my third time kind of tackling this role of Odette and Odile. And mm. um, for me personally, it was just, I needed to be better than when I first debuted this role. Huh. And it was such a different journey. And um, you know, my, my confidence was completely at a different stage than it was, you know, years ago. And, but then still, you know, you're not happy. I think, yeah, most dancers are, you know, after a performance, I think it went well, I'm proud of what I accomplished. However, it could have been even better. So I don't know. If anything, you can keep with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 
I know we've been talking about Swan Lake a lot, but do you have any particular memories of a performance that really stood out to you? Um, and do you prefer more classical pieces or more modern and contemporary ones? I think classics are important for a ballet dancer because nothing will get you in the physical shape of doing classical ballet. So I'm I'm always grateful to have the opportunity to perform classics like Swan Lake, like Giselle, like Don Quixote, anything in like a white tutu. It's just oh. so revealing. So no matter what, it, uh, yeah, it just has to be, it has to look a certain way. I guess there is a standard for it. So, and a lot of people know the standard. Right. And so there's expectation. Uh, however, in the 20 years of being a part of San Francisco Ballet, we've gotten to do so many different types of works. And I love anything by William Forsythe. Mm. Yeah, I'll dance anything by him. I really love a lot of Liam Scarlett's works. I, lo I love Justin Peck's works. These are all just different choreographers that I guess, I think they resonate with a lot of ballet dancers. Mm -hmm. But I, I think a lot of it has to do with um, their sense of musicality, uh, their knowledge on dance, and then also just their like creative powers in their <laughs> minds yeah. and how they've come up with movements that is so individual to them and, and it just resonates with people. So, and dancers mm. resonates with the audience as well as dancers. Yeah. 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 It's amazing how much thought these choreographers put into you know, not just the big picture, but every detail down to the placement of your hand or, you know, the positioning of your foot. So it's always just incredible to see. And I feel like the SF Ballet does an incredible job of kind of pushing those boundaries of creativity mm. and watching that come to life is always just mind blowing to me. <laughs> it's so nice to hear when like uh, an audience member kind of yeah has those um perspectives on just the little details because quick story <laughs> but the we were doing um liam scarlett's frankenstein and um he was coaching me on this pas de deux with my partner and you know uh, this pas de deux pas de deux means a dancer for two or a dance for two what is the pot? The, that pot specifically is like, it, I mean, it's a love pot, <laughs> pot if you will. But um, I think at that moment, he, I'm like yearning for his love. And I remember specifically Liam just showing me this hand gesture in, in rehearsal. And he was like, if you flip your hand here slowly, at this particular moment in this point in the music oh, that wow. is going to make us feel your your desire or your <laughs> uh, yearning and it was so like I, he and then he demonstrated it and i was like my mind blew <laughs> i was like yes that's it and it just took that like 
little flip of the hand um, as I was walking towards my partner. Um, yeah, little things like that. It's, I guess that's at this point in my career anyway, those are the things I really like cherish. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's the, the most subtle, understated gestures that make right. all the difference in the world. Truth. And I guess on that note, um, do you have a favorite or strange or noteworthy or super memorable performance? <laughs> uh, so hard. Um, it's hard to come on the spot with these <laughs> moments. I mean, I've fallen on stage. <laughs> That's, I guess, noteworthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I, I can't remember if I was a soloist at this point or if I was in the core. Um, but my partner, like, he put me down a little too soon before my foot was on the ground. And I basically just, my feet did not touch the ground and I just like slipped onto, it was this like, it was a Mark Morris ballet. It was a really quiet, like (laughs) and it was just like smack on the ground. (laughs) I could hear all, I don't know how many thousands of people are our opera house. It was like, And then I got up and continued. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the pro that you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about live theater, you know, anything can happen. Yeah. I always think though, that falling is not, uh, falling is not a bad thing. It means that you were giving it your all. So I, anytime someone falls a lot, often as dancers, we just clap for them because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. they did it. They gave it their all yeah. and they're on the ground and then you get up and you continue and it all as well. So yeah, I, I never really think that falling is a bad thing. Well, and it reminds us as the audience too, that you're human, you know, and that this is live and this is imperfect and yes. you're not robots. You know, you're not, <laughs> we're not watching a movie, you know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Definitely. And I was so surprised when I learned that, you know, you have a, a beautiful three-year-old child and, you know, the duration of your career is just so incredible. So, I mean, I'm 22 years old and I feel like I'm already suffering from a lot of back pain. (laughs) So what are your tips, secrets to staying healthy and just staying active? Oh, (laughs) the secrets, there are no secrets. (laughs) (laughs) You get up with back pain or neck pain and then you just slowly warm up (laughs) Uh Uh, at this point. Yeah, I actually, in the last few years, kind of through the pandemic, I've learned a lot about stretching. Mm -hmm. So I spend a lot of time outside of work. You know how I mentioned before that I used to get to work as late as possible. Now I get to work. Well, first of all, after having a kid, you wake up at six instead of (laughs) <laughs> whatever time I to yeah, wake up yeah. wake up at six Forrest my son and I and sometimes John if he's awake will have breakfast and then I drop him off at daycare and then I can get to work probably about an hour hour and a half before class begins now so I spend a good deal of time stretching and rolling and I just found out recently that I've I am now known <laughs> among some of the younger dancers as the gal who carries around like a bag full of tools <laughs> that oh roll with or I dig or uh, I got my fair band. I got, you know, things to, 
work out my calves and my feet and yeah, a little ball to roll my feet, different size balls to roll my calf. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've become that person. <laughs> like a walking gym. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's terrible. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And I try to convince them. I swear I used to come to class two minutes before it starts. <laughs> yeah, uh, you learn, I think, through... I mean, it's anybody, whether you're a dancer or not, um, what your body needs and is capable of. Um, I think, I guess, as a dancer, we kind of push it to the limit. Mm -hmm. And this season, actually, I was injured for a while, which oh, no. um, a part of it was probably COVID kind of taking off a lot of time that I would have never done. I think I took more time. I know I took more time off because of COVID than I did even with my pregnancy. <laughs> when I was pregnant, I would go into class every day, still um, kind of had like a general idea of what I wanted to do kind of post baby. So I came back fairly quickly, which, you know, every body, everybody is different. And that was just my kind of, journey back to the mm -hmm. stage but i i came back after uh, four months after forest oh, wow. <laughs> um, was born i was performing the nutcracker yeah i was still <laughs> breastfeeding oh, i was pumping in between oh, like intermission <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> motherhood and ballet it's... it's such an incredible thing and like luckily i had friends who had babies and came back to dance. So I had, um, I had an idea of what it would be like. And, you know, like you said earlier with the internet, mm -hmm. <laughs> you see what dancers have done in the past and what is Kate, what is possible. So yeah, that was, I loved every moment of it. But anyway, fast forward through COVID, I, you know, tried to stay in shape, but then it got to a point where we had no idea when yeah. we were going to go back to work. Yeah. Nobody knew what was happening. And so I was like, well, I, I will just hang out, stay home and hang out with my kid. And yeah. it was great. I had such a great time. But then once we fully came back to the season, we had a virtual season, which really is nothing compared to right. our regular season, right. but we had a full regular season this year and my body was just like, did could not keep up really. And I had um, foot pain that just didn't go away. And then finally it got to a point where I like, couldn't go on point anymore. And yeah. um, so, yeah, I had to take four months off, which like I said, in, I don't know, 18, 19 years, I hadn't been off mm -hmm. for that long, really, because of an injury. Um, but it was a really great learning experience. And I learned a lot about my body during that time, and about my foot, about my left leg, <laughs> about my psoas, <laughs> about my glute. About my I mean, the whole your body is an incredible thing. And it's all connected. And um, yeah, I feel, I, I, yeah, at this point, like I said, I'm so 
grateful that I had a, a long career with no injury. And even with this injury, like I, I got to stay home with my kid again. So it really was, there's a lot of silver lining. Of silver but linings, anyway, yeah. yeah, I got back to the season and, and back when I was injured, I did not think I was going to be able to make it to Swan Lake. I thought maybe I could do something, you know, some of the shorter ballets that were on this season, which I was happy to do, but I did not think that I would be able to actually perform Swan Lake and I made it there. So I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's so inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> so you're currently, and since 2018, you've been the Herbert family principal dancer at the San Francisco Ballet. What's the, what's the future look like for Francis Chung? Have you thought much about next season already? Or are you thinking a little about in the future? At this point, it's hard to say. My really close friend, Sarah Van Patten just retired this year. She joined the company a year after me. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, I, at this point, I mean, I still love dancing, of course, and I definitely want to do it for a little while longer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, I, to be honest, it it gets harder every year, and then yeah, I think it'll just get to the point where. I may not be worth it anymore mm. in terms of like work life balance, but also like work pain balance. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. I don't entirely know. I used to say that once I was done with dance, I would want to do something completely different because uh -huh. I spent all of my life uh -huh. in the ballet world. However, now that I am nearing the end of my career, I, it's hard to think that I will leave the world. So <laughs> there are things I think I would still enjoy doing in the ballet world but we'll see what the future uh -huh. holds <laughs> so you have answered all of our hard questions now it's time for the lightning round <laughs> first question what's the best part about being a ballet dancer best part Oh, there's too many. <laughs> <laughs> you can do more than one if you want. I think the first thing that comes to mind is the friendships that I've made. Yeah, friendships. And and the ballet world is quite transient. People change companies. They move to different parts of the world. Um, they retire and they change careers completely. But like I said earlier, these bonds that you make with other dancers or former dancers, they don't change. You don't see someone for many years and then you see them again and it's like time has not passed. Mm. And yeah, you have all of the memories kind of made in the studios and the theater and those relationships definitely don't change. And then of course, just, I guess, that thrill mm -hmm. <laughs> of a live performance. Yeah. 
with thousands of people, the eyes on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy because I think before a lot of ballets, especially the really difficult full length ballets where you're leading the show all night long. Before a show like that, I'm always thinking, God, why in the world do I do this to myself? You know, <laughs> you're like sick, you're nauseous from nerves, oh, wow. you can't eat well, um, leading up to it, maybe there are nights where like the night before you can't sleep. Yeah, your whole body is just like in it's either in like hibernation mode because you know you're going to be exerting a lot of energy. So you're yawning all day for no good reason, or you're just in like, you have, you're like in this like tingly state where you're just like, ah, you're just so nervous. Adrenaline. Yeah. Feel anything. And then of course, after the show, you're super, you know, thrilled and happy and then maybe like 10 minutes after that, you're like, well, I could have done this and this. <laughs> the stages, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, a cycle that, and a, it's a, a love-hate thing, I guess. Yeah. I really don't know why we do it to ourselves. <laughs> it's definitely unlike anything else in the world, I'm sure, you know, and, and you do something that very few people can do. So it's pretty amazing. Can I toss in a, sure. a separate question? Sure. How many point shoes do you think you've gone through? Oh, gosh. Thousands, right? I guess so. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah, because I can can wear out a pair in one day, one one long rehearsal. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then there are some shoes that last for longer and you can make last longer, but yeah, probably thousands. Gosh, that seems like a lot. That does seem like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Alrighty. I guess on to the, the other question, but do you have a favorite fictional or non-fictional book, movie, or show that has a ballet dance in it? Oh, ballet dance. I mean, everybody knows the ballet movies. (laughs) (laughs) No, but what is your favorite? Oh, my favorite. Um, I don't know. I can't really say that. I, it's funny because if you ask another dancer, they'd probably have one immediate answer for (laughs) you. I just like, I'm not... They call them bunheads, and I just can't <laughs> be a bunhead. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Catherine, do you have one? This is going to sound so childish, but I loved and still love to this day the 12 Dancing Princesses, the Barbie version. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Legit. I thought you were going to say center stage or something like that. Uh-huh. Oh, no. I just love the whole idea of like dancing and then transporting yourself to a magical world. Like I would love that. Awesome. That's totally legit. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm, you know, when you're in the season, you're working six days a week, you're surrounded by dance all the time. You're in the ballet world. Like the last thing I want to do is go home and watch a ballet movie. <laughs> True. <laughs> Even though I've seen them all. <laughs> I got one for you. Do you guys watch Korean dramas at all? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So there's one that my wife likes. I, I thought it was just okay. But the dancing I heard is pretty good. 
Now, of course, you won't think so, Francis, probably, but it's called Angel's Last Mission. <gasps> I've heard of that one. I don't know this one. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, look it up. I think it's on Vicky if you have Vicky. But it's 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 classic Korean drama. So a girl loses her sight, right? She's a dancer, loses her sight. Her, you know, longtime family butler guy give, donates his corneas to her. You know, it's like classic, <laughs> you know, like classic nutball drama, right? But uh, I heard the dancing is pretty good. So, uh, what is it called again? It's called Angel's Last Mission. Angel's Last Mission. And the ending totally ruined it, but you know, give it a watch. Give it a watch. You might like it. All right. This last question is, it's called, who's your infatuation? And an infatuation is anyone who is Asian that you might admire, someone you might know, someone you may not know, could be deceased or living up to you. So Francis Chung, who is your infatuation? I mean, I'm going to keep it in the dance realm. (laughs) But I'd say the Asian dancers that came before me. So in our company, Tan Yuen Yuan's been in the company for 25 oh, wow. plus years now. Wow. Um, and yeah, I've looked up to her ever since I was a student in the school. Her and I actually share ballet coaches. She trained in Shanghai with my teachers and then my teachers actually immigrated to Vancouver. And then I was lucky enough to train with them when I um, kind of became more serious about ballet in my school. Yeah. I've looked up to her ever since I was a kid and, and yeah, there are multiple other Asian ballerinas that, you know, when you, I think it's true for anything. When you see someone who looks like you uh-huh. doing what you want to do, yeah. <laughs> it gives you uh, just that, like that, just that possibility right. to to be able to dream about doing that same thing. So, well, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent sure that there are people who've seen you dance. You know, young Asian girls, young Asian anyone, right, who's watched you dance and said, you know, maybe I can do that. So that's pretty cool that you've been able to do that for so long. Yeah, it's so inspiring. Have you seen the landscape change, you know, when you first came in 2001 versus now? I'm. It was, you know, Europeans have always been in ballet, but have you seen the landscape change in terms of diversity and what countries people are coming from and as well as the audience, maybe even? Definitely audience. And yes, I'd say so. I mean, it's a slow change. I think by the time I entered the company, there were several um, Asian dancers in San Francisco ballet. And I think especially in San Francisco and in San Francisco ballet, our director Helgi is always, he does this thing where he'll like go to different places in the world and kind of search out dancers. And he's always hired people from all over the world. So yeah, I've always had, like there's always been a, the the company's always been very multicultural. uh, We have a lot of Spaniards, a lot of people from South America. Yeah, different Asian countries, Japan, Korea. 
Yeah, there was actually like a funny moment. It's less so now, but I think there were more non-Americans than there were Americans、oh. in the company at one point. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah, I've always been lucky enough to be surrounded by kind of a multicultural environment. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, tonight you are our infatuation, Francis. It's been,、yeah. <laughs> it's been so fun talking with you. Huge thanks to you, Francis, for coming out. My pleasure. And Catherine, thank you for coming out. Sorry, your internet's a little spotty. <laughs> well, thanks for letting me tag along and let me fangirl. <laughs> oh no, it's fun having you.、So、this episode's probably coming out in June, which you know what that means. It's time to wish Catherine luck in the Miss California competition, June twenty fifth. Oh gosh! Now I feel like there's a deadline, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun no matter what, right? Yes, yes. There to there to grow and have a good time. <laughs> All right. So everybody, root for Catherine in Miss California. So good luck to you. And hey, everyone out there, thank you for listening.、Uh, we hope you learned something. That's one of our goals of this podcast: is that you learn something every week. And as mentioned, as we always mention, you can write to us at infatuationpodcast at gmail dot com. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You know where you can get it, and you can also leave us a rating. That'd be great, or a review, even better. But until then, on behalf of Francis, Catherine, and myself, well, we'll give a shout out to Madison too. Good luck on your AP exam, Madison. But we hope that you're all happy, healthy, and safe out there. Thanks again for listening, and bye. bye.